Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Right, we're in a series number five today. Uh, what Love Does. We were at Easter last week. Um, Nick shared, preached a great, um, some really good teaching around the three words. Um, let's test ourselves. Come on, what were the three words? The first three words were. It's good. It was a great preach. <laughs> Come on, people. It is finished. That was one of the three words. Great. He is risen, and I have seen. Great, they did listen, Nick. It was great. So that was, that, was, that was good. Great focus on Easter. So as we look at the text tonight, um, Luke 24 is um, a narrative that happens on the Sunday, the first day of the week. That's what it's described as in Luke 24, yeah? So we're still on that day, but there are some, there's some stuff that happens on that first day when Jesus rose from the dead, um, that we're going to um, talk about um, this evening. This evening we're looking at um, what love does and our particular focus tonight as we look at Luke 24, listen carefully to this, love encourages the discouraged and brings clarity to the confused. And that's what Jesus does in Luke 24. Jesus comes alongside a couple of disciples who were very discouraged and were very confused. And what Jesus does is Jesus speaks encouragement over them and he brings clarity to their situation. And the challenge for us this evening as we look at this text is it's quite an inward-focused challenge. Quite often we can, uh, preachers can stand at the front here and say, like, oh, we need to be you know, reaching our community, we need to love people like Jesus does, that's, what the, that's kind of what the topic of the, of, the, of the series has been. But this evening, what Jesus does is something actually that's very inward focused, very inward focused. What Jesus does is he ministers and he speaks to two of his own. It's as if um, the message for us this evening is how we as a church, relate to one another, how we speak to one another, how we encourage one another. And uh, one thing that I want that, that marks us out as unique as a church community is that there's a sense that we know one another enough to speak things into our, each other's lives. And it, we're very intentional in terms of life church, how we grow the churches that we plant across Warrington, in as much as we, it's never been our vision to kind of grow a church to kind of two or three hundred people. Because we really do, and we really do, this isn't just a soundbite, we really do want our churches to be family. And when, whenever there's a family, everyone knows one another. If you're going to, like, for example, if you have Christmas together as a family, unless there's a new member who's kind of an in-law or something, everyone knows everyone. We will know a bit about everyone. And, you know, maybe you think that's a little bit of a, a, a spiritual utopia to have, that really we would be in a church where everyone knows each other. Yeah, 
Because if we call ourselves family, then there needs to be a sense that we know at least something about one another so that there is a sense of family together. The reason I say that is that when Jesus, what Jesus does in these verses to these two disciples, it's something that I would like us to replicate across our church. And the thing that I've been particularly challenged this Easter time as I reflected on the scriptures that surround the resurrection is, is it's the way that the resurrected saviour takes time to be with people. Okay, so another, we're, we're going to talk about the Emmaus Road tonight and we'll see that, we'll see that Jesus takes time to be with two. But there's another, uh, there's another, another narrative in John 20 where, where the Bible says that Jesus appears to the, to, the, to, to the disciples and Thomas isn't there. Now, if I was Jesus, sometimes I would be like this. I would think, well, Thomas, you messed up. You should have been more committed and you weren't there, so you missed it, yeah? Or, Thomas, we can spiritualise it, can't we? I would have said, Thomas, you should have been in fellowship. Or, Thomas, you shouldn't have overslept. And Jesus would have been quite justified, I'm sure, to use one of those in Thomas's case. Thomas, you shouldn't have been so fearful that you couldn't come to the house where the disciples were meeting. Or maybe, Thomas, you shouldn't have been so hungry that you had to go off and get some food. Whatever it was, there would have been a reason... And I would have probably justified not meeting with Thomas because of that. But you see, Jesus doesn't. Jesus finds out Thomas. And he takes the time to meet Thomas at his place of doubt. Remember what Thomas says to the disciples? He says, unless I see the the nail prints in his hand and I put my hand on his side, I won't believe. And Jesus accommodates such a request. It's because Jesus loves people. And that's what love does. So as we look at... um, And actually what happens is Jesus draws the best out of Thomas because in John 20 verse 28, we're not even in that chapter tonight, but anyway, the, the response that Jesus draws from Thomas is Thomas ends up saying, doubting Thomas, he ends up saying, my Lord and my God. You see, because Jesus sees the best in people and he wants to draw the best out of people. And I want that for us this evening as a church, that we would see the best in each other, that we would seek to draw the best out of each other because, believe it or not, Life Church, we are not a perfect community. There will be moments in your journey of following Jesus where you will have moments like these disciples had on the Emmaus Road where you are discouraged and you are confused. And when you're discouraged and when you're confused, You don't need a brother or sister to ignore you or to leave you to your own devices or listen to the nonsense voices that might come into your head. What you need is you need someone to come alongside you and to speak into your situation and to bring encouragement and to bring clarity. And what we need to understand this evening, again, is that even our moments of discouragement or confusion can be opportunities for the rest of the body of Christ. Listen to this that I wrote down this week. I really believe this. I wrote down this. I said, Our moments of discouragement or confusion 
can be gateways of opportunity for those around us if we allow them to be. When you're discouraged or when you're confused, that is an opportunity for your brother or your sister or your friend or your spouse to bring encouragement and clarity to your life. And when, you, and when you face those moments of discouragement and confusion, and we will all face them, okay? All of us will face them. There are moments where we're down, we're disappointed, things are tough. If we just keep ourselves to ourselves and just think, well, I'm going to get through this on my own, what you do is you rob, yes, you rob the body of Christ of the opportunity to minister to you, to bring encouragement to you. You rob someone else of having the opportunity of putting an arm on your shoulder and saying to listen, this is what God says about you. This is what God says about the situation. Let me be a friend to you. Let me pray with you. Let me serve you. Let me help you. God has designed the church that we should be dependent on him, but also that we should be dependent on one another. And what we see in Luke 24 is we, we see a moment where Jesus models to us what we can do as followers of Christ when others around us are having a tough time. Now listen, people have to, be re, people have to receive what we're saying. People have to be willing to be helped. We're not a cult. We can't force ourselves on anyone. Like That is weird. But I trust that in our church that there will be these, those moments out of relationship and actually, that's a lesson to all of us that we need to build relationship in the good times. So when the difficult times come, we have friends around us that can encourage us. But the, these can be moments where we can minister to one another. What we see in Luke 24 is we see Jesus ministering encouragement. And we see him bringing clarity to a couple of disciples that thought the deal was over. Because the reality is, in Luke 24, we'll read it in a moment, these two disciples were not faith-filled. The fact of the matter is that they thought Jesus was dead. They heard the news that had come from the women from the tomb. They'd heard about Peter running to the tomb and not seeing Jesus there. But because they had not witnessed seeing Jesus risen from the dead, they did not believe that Jesus was alive. It's very clear. They were downcast. They were sad. They, in the text, they say things like, we had hoped that he would be this, and, he's, and it's turned out not to be that way. So be in no doubt, in Luke 24, verse 13, as we read now, we are reading about two disciples who are discouraged and confused. And what we see is that Jesus comes alongside them, and he ministers to them. So Lord, as we read the text this evening, I pray that the seed of your word would fall upon our, our lives, that we would... That the, that the soil of our hearts and our minds would be loose enough and pliable enough and moldable enough so that you can plant something in our hearts tonight that will just enable us to be more effective followers of you and more effective members of the church that you've called us to be part of. So it says in Luke 24 verse 13, it starts off with these, these words, now that same day. What it's saying is the same day as the resurrection. So it's Sunday, it's the first day of the week. It says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. 
As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, Why are you, what, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stood, they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? Do you not know the things that have hap- happened there in these, day, these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all that took place. It's it's almost as if they recognized that something should have taken place today, but it doesn't seem to have happened. Verse 22, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did, but they did not, but him they did not see. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those assembled together saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. It's a great story, it's a great narrative It all happens within 24 hours, and um, here's a few things this evening that I want us to think about and reflect upon as we um, look at these scriptures. What love does, first thing love does is this, Life Church, love walks beyond the walls, okay? Jesus knew what it was to walk with his disciples in the temple courts. He did that often, yeah? Jesus knew what it was to walk in the locality of Jerusalem, That was something he was used to doing. But on this occasion, we see that Jesus is willing to go seven miles in order that he can bring encouragement to those who were discouraged. The Bible says that Jesus, as they walked, he drew near to them. The word there, drew drew near, in the Greek is a word called engizo, which means this that someone would draw so close that there's almost no space left. And so what Jesus did, seven miles, those of you who are into your steps, you will know that seven miles is 14,000 steps. Jesus joins them on an ordinary walk because Jesus knows 
that they simply need someone to walk with them. Listen, Life Church, when people are in, moment, in moments of being discouraged or, or confusion, quite often they actually don't need a prayer meeting over them. What they simply need is they need someone to walk with them. They need someone to take the time. Jesus knew that this seven-mile walk was not going to be a waste of time. And notice that to start with, Jesus listens to what they have to say. Jesus doesn't step in with the answer straight away. He doesn't lay hands on them and kind of start speaking things over them. What he does, first of all, the Son of God who knows all things, who knew everything that they were going to repeat in that conversation, he wanted them, first of all, just to talk about where they're at, how they're doing. And I believe that if we're going to be family, if we're going to know what it is to bring those moments of encouragement and clarity to one another, there have to be times where we need to be people that just listen, that we just listen to one another, that we create that space in life. It's interesting that um, there were, we, when we did that prayer walk in January, and there were people that spoke together on that prayer walk in January that had never spoken to each other before and have probably not, not spoken to each other since. There's something good about walking and talking. Great link into a week tomorrow, yeah? Come and walk, come and talk. Let's take that time to encourage one another. And Jesus, in Luke 24, he really did walk for the sake of walking. Number one, he had no reason to walk except to deliver encouragement and comfort. Number two, he had no material reason to be in Emmaus at all. And number three, by late evening, the narrative says that Jesus was back in Jerusalem anyway. You see, that's what Jesus was willing to do. It wasn't about going to Emmaus. It wasn't about getting to a place. It was about spending time with people on the journey of life in order that he, he could bring that encouragement to them. And for us this evening, for you and me, as followers of Jesus in 2022, the question is, who are you walking with? Who are you walking with? Who am I walking with? Like this week, who have we spent time with, encouraging, talking, praying with? If our lives are simply Sunday-centric and there's no other sense of fellowship or encouragement that comes, what we're doing is we're not setting ourselves up well. When things are great, it's fine. But when we have those moments of crises, we need people around our lives or we need to be those people to others in order that we have that sense of drawing close to one another. The challenge is for us this evening, who are you going to draw close to? Who am I going to draw close to? Because Jesus was really modelling something that was about church. It wasn't about out the people out there. It was about people in here. Second thing, what love does, love speaks encouragement. We see that Jesus walks and Jesus speaks. We see in the text, the Bible says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what the scriptures said concerning himself. Jesus brings encouragement and clarity to their, their disappointment and their doubt because verse 15 says that their faces were downcast. Verse 21, the Bible says that they use these words, 
three words. Here we go. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what Jesus does, Jesus responds by saying to them and outlining to them that, listen, Jesus is all that you hoped he would be. And it's, it's interesting that when you read the text, the Bible says that Jesus taught them from the scriptures. And so quite, quite often we can misinterpret that by thinking that Jesus took the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and the epistles, which hadn't been written yet, by the way, and neither of the Gospels, and, and Jesus kind of proved to them from those scriptures. But no, it wouldn't have been that. You see, Jesus didn't have a New Testament. Jesus had the Old Testament scriptures. And so what Jesus did is he took them through the Old Testament scriptures, proving that he was the Christ and he needed to do what he needed to do in, in order to fulfill what the Old Testament said. Look, Take a look at this picture here. This is a picture yesterday. I was, went to the park with Levi and uh, Levi insisted going for McDonald's breakfast. So I was happy to oblige. And uh, so we, uh, we did the old drive-through at Albany Retail Park and uh, went nuts. Had a double, um, what's it called? A double, um, double sausage and egg McMuffin. Glorious. With ketchup and hash browns and flour. Anyway, it was great. So we went off to the park anyway. And so while I was there, um, Levi likes to go on the skate, skate thing. And so my attention was turned, the park run was happening. It happens every Saturday, I think, at Victoria Park. And this is a picture of the finishing line. So the people are running. I don't know why that woman's running the other way. She's going the wrong way, she is. But um, what, 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 you, what you see is lots of, you see lots of people running from left to right. That's the finishing line that's marked. There are these stewards with the official luminous jackets on. So I observed this for a couple of minutes. And uh, over the, over the um, kind of, you know, the sounds that you would have in a part, I just kept hearing this one voice. This one voice kept saying this, um, well run, keep running. These words of encouragement kept coming. Uh, great running, uh, last few minutes, uh, keep going. And I, I was trying to work out who it was that kept saying these things. And you could see as the runners were coming, I think it's 5K, isn't it, a part run? So, was, I mean, I would have been crawling across the line. Um, but as they're coming in, I was trying not to judge the slow ones. I was thinking, don't you judge them, Lucas, because you wouldn't stand a chance, mate. You just go and run to the end of the field and back, and you'd be out flat on your back. But as they were coming, and I was wondering, I was wondering which one of these kind of stewards was doing this. Like, who is the encourager? So I walked up a bit closer, really weirdly, and I took a picture. And it was Bob. There he is, right there. Now, two things to recognize about Bob that, in, that remind us that, first of all, you don't need to be part of the establishment to encourage. Because Bob, he was just stood there. He didn't have a luminous jacket. He didn't have an official um, badge or lanyard. He was just a guy standing by the finishing line and he was cheering literally every person that came past. So number one, you don't have to be part of the establishment to encourage others. And secondly, while you're doing life, you have a choice. This is what Bob taught me. While you're doing life, you have a choice. You have a choice to keep your mouth shut and not encourage. Or you can open your mouth and you can start encouraging some people. And that's what he did. Listen, Life Church. Let's be like Bob. 
Yeah? Let's take those moments. When we're standing by in life, if we see something being done well, if we, um, if we see someone struggling, yeah? Every moment is an opportunity to encourage someone and to bless them, to cheer them on in this life. Apart from that, we have the example of Bob, we have the example of Jesus, but also the Bible says often, it talks about encouraging one another. Listen, the gift of encouragement, I think, is the most underrated gift. There is, there is, there is no one who, who doesn't love it when someone comes alongside them and speaks a word of encouragement over them. And so what love does, love speaks encouragement. And the final thing, we're going to break bread as we go into this um, together, is that love always brings it back to the main thing. Love always brings it back to the main thing. And that's what Jesus does here. Jesus doesn't only just kind of tap them on the back, have some food with them, hang out with them. But Jesus does bring it back to the main thing. And we see in verse 30, this is where Jesus was leading everything to. Like Jesus knew what he was doing. When Jesus, remember Jesus is the son of God, he knows everything. He's omniscient, yeah, he knows everything. And as, as he started out on that seven mile journey, Jesus knew exactly what would be happening that evening. That he, there would be this revelation about them meeting the risen saviour as he broke bread with them. That evening, verse 30 says, while he was reclining at the table with them, he took the bread, spoke a blessing and broke it and gave it to them. The Bible says in that moment, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. What happened was they saw the risen saviour and the risen saviour changes everything, every time, every time. Listen, if there are moments in your life where you're discouraged or you, or you lose clarity or you're confused about things, the, the, the person, the event to go back to is the risen saviour. It's no accident that Jesus gave us this ritual of the breaking of bread. It's no accident actually that he based it around something that we do every day to survive, that we have to eat and we have to drink. And there is a sense, really, that every time we eat and every time we drink, that it should almost be a trigger in our minds to remember Jesus' broken body and Jesus' shed blood. Because the antidote for discouragement and confusion is the resurrected Christ. It gives us perspective. It shows us where we sit as sons and daughters of him. And when we understand even in the most difficult moments that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and that he rose again according to the scriptures when we recognize that and we embrace that every day of our lives I believe that it I'm not saying that if you reflect on that and think about that every day you will never be discouraged and you will never be confused again okay it's a it's a it's um it's kind of like a a magical thing that will happen to you. No, there will, there will be moments. I mean, remember, these guys, they, they walked with Jesus for three years. And they were confused and they were discouraged. Even Jesus himself had low moments where he had to follow through and do things that were tough and hard. 
Okay, the Bible doesn't teach that following Jesus is a bed of roses and nothing will never go wrong. What the Bible does teach about the gospel is that as followers of Jesus, we possess the most precious commodity on earth. Because of what Christ has done for us, because of his broken body, his shed blood, because he rose from the dead, you and me have access to peace with God. That's what we have. And because we have peace with God, whatever life might throw at us, it just enables us to navigate those moments with a heavenly perspective. This evening, as we come together, as we conclude our time together this evening, what we're going to do is we're going to break bread. And in doing this, what we're doing is we're reminding ourselves about the greatest act of love. What does love do? What love does? Love gives himself. And uh, this evening, as we break bread together, we're, we're reflecting upon these words. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Another version says this, Every time you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim his death until he comes. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.